Women Make Waves is an NC Fit podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Women Make Waves podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today, Arielle and I are sitting down with the incredible Amy Morrison. Amy is both a licensed therapist and XPT coach and does an incredible job of marrying the worlds of physical and mental wellness. We talk all about cold exposure, saunas, all of these really cool, trendy biohacking things that people are doing, but talk about the self-regulation and the science behind it. So it's not just cool to post it on Instagram that you got into an ice bath, but why you're actually doing it. We also talk about connecting with your why, harvesting self-compassion, and anything and everything in between. I'm so excited for you to listen to today's episode, and if you loved it, please be sure to share it with a friend and leave a five-star rating and review. While you're hanging out in the App Store, go ahead and download the NC Fit app. You have different workout tracks for every day of the week. You can pick whether you're on the go, in the gym, at home, or anywhere else to get a wicked workout in with myself, Arielle, and some of the other incredible coaches over here at NC Fit. Until next week, enjoy the show. All right, gang, welcome back to the Women Make Waves podcast. I know I say this all the time, but I'm so excited for today's conversation because it's with one of my good friends and colleagues and confidants, Miss Amy Morrison's in the house. Thank you so much for joining us, Amy. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It's really fun to, I think, just sit down and talk with you guys and it just happens to be recorded. So I think that's kind of like (laughs) the nature of this, right, is that it's uh, I think it's cool that we get to have these kinds of discussions and just, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's especially gotten different now that everything's on Zoom and I'm like, I can be sitting here drinking a cup of coffee in my living room with my dog, chatting with my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I did want to kick off today's conversation with asking the question we ask all guests, how are you making waves? Hmm. I love this question. So whenever you first uh, kind of posited this to me, gave me a little like spoiler alert before we begin the recording. And I think like what came up for me is that, you know, something that I really enjoy doing is in my work asking why, like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Uh, So that we can expand the way that we operate. And if I can kind of go back, I, so I work as a therapist, I work in mental health. I'm licensed in the state of Colorado. And I offer online coaching. And so much of what I do is kind of based on feeling uh, disillusioned, discouraged by what I experienced in grad school and kind of right after. Just noticing clients coming in and just repeatedly, you know, sharing the same problems. You know, I was hearing this from my colleagues. It just like feels like people struggle to get better. And so I was, you know, really wondering why. And for me, I, see change being a holistic uh, process. So I've always said this, I'm so much more curious about what's happening outside of the therapy office or the coaching portal, right? (laughs) Than uh, what's going on. Um, And, you know, I'm really so curious about that versus, oh, the like, you know, little things that maybe we're talking about in therapy. Like, I think that's important. And I want to know how are you growing and changing outside of this space, outside of this container? And so that's been something that I've 
been working a lot on uh, within myself and within my clients' lives and seeing how I can shift and expand that. So I think that's a way that I'm making waves. I think that's so important because it feels very like symptom versus cause, right? When people mm-hmm. show up in my office too, and they're really discouraged about something, it's often like, what had to be going on for this to even happen, for this mm-hmm. moment for you to come and want a process to even happen? And mm-hmm. it reminds me a lot of, you know, kind of the biopsychosocial model of healing. Is that kind of what you work off of? Yes. Definitely. So looking at the biological self, right? The psychological, like what's going on. So what's going on in body? What's going on in mind? What's going on socially? What's going on spiritually? Right? All of these different things combined to create this um, version of ourselves. And you know, I think we have to look at all those pieces in order to help our clients and, and help ourselves be that kind of version of ourselves that we know is possible you know and I think like this is something that I've been really interested in lately is how to work on ourselves without making it some kind of like achievement focused thing and uh you know I don't have like a perfect (laughs) model here to you know give you and you know it's really interesting right because I think what comes into this is a lot of self-compassion and self um, awareness and connection to self. And sometimes people can hear that, right? And they think, oh no, what are you going to take away from me? <laughs> oh, are you going to take away my achievement? Are you going to take away my um, productivity, right? What are you going to, what are you going to take away, right? We hold these things so closely. And really all we're doing is kind of opening the palm and just saying like, what is, what's happening and how can we support you and maybe moving toward a little like a more joyful connected self and I think I'm kind of going off tangent a little bit (laughs) but that was uh kind of like what came up for me with with that comment I love this whole conversation because so you're bringing it in from the therapeutic side like that mindset piece of it um and I'm just immediately going to my nutrition clients and thinking you know this is legitimately the basis of behavior change for people, right? It's understanding what is and understanding why you are in whatever space you're in and how you can start to optimize that. So it's not necessarily, and I love how you're putting it, like there's nothing wrong, there's nothing we're taking away, but maybe there is a way to optimize it in a way that makes you feel better and makes you perform better and allows you to get the most out of the life that you're living. And um, so I, I'm curious to know, because I know you also are an XBT coach. I love how I, right now there, I'm noticing a trend of more health conscious mental health professionals and it's holistic health. And this is why I'm loving this conversation so far. Um, how are you bridging that gap with those two pieces of you and your identity? Oh, I love this question. So being an XBT coach, XBT is a brand, a company, a, you know, kind of a, a vision, right, for really how to give an athlete a holistic picture of themselves, right? And it's the three main pillars. There are other aspects of the company, but they are breath, movement, and recovery. 
So when I first started working with XBT, I got certified as a coach three years ago, well, maybe like three and a half years ago. And it was so helpful and powerful because I was able to connect with um, a brand, right? A company that was really excited about kind of bringing all these aspects into um, an athlete because I was working as a trainer and I was teaching classes in a group fitness <laughs> environment and I love nutrition. I love CrossFit. I love all these like different aspects, right? And so for a while I was actually trying to figure out, okay, how can I, you know, maybe bridge like mental health and physical fitness. And like, maybe we could talk about therapy while lifting. And I, I didn't really land on like a perfect model. I don't, I'm probably just not the, the theorist who's going to do it. Right. The person who's going to like be able to make that happen. I think yoga is a powerful way to do that. Right. Trauma processing, um, has been studied a lot with movement practices like yoga because of the breath. So for me, the way I've really been able to bridge the mind and the body is through breath work. So I've, you know, really, you know, connected to that in January of 2020, or sorry, not January, so the year of 2020. And then in January, you know, stopped working with all my personal training clients because it felt like what I wanted to do was actually just focus on like the breath and the mind and the body and kind of how that interplays and connects versus um, bringing in like the, the fitness aspect of it, which I think I still love and am passionate about. <clears throat> so for me, really been able to bridge things with the breath and how that's so interconnected with our nervous system and how our different nervous system states dictate or talk to the body and say, you know, how should we be interacting? How should we be responding to what's happening in our environment? And, you know, I think that's something that's been really cool to see um, the you know, growth and change within my clients when I've been able to teach that and which is with everybody <laughs> and uh, you know, how it's really cool to see that, that focus come into play. There's another really cool piece of XBT that I think maybe for people that don't necessarily know what it is, but it's this group aspect is most of the training, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's mostly done in group settings, right? So you have people around you. Yeah. So we do retreats every uh, couple well, there's a couple usually per uh, year and those are always in a large group environment. And then really most everything I've taught when it's been in person has been a group setting and I think, um, you know, that's a, a good, a good point, right. Is that like almost, you know, one of the pillars, right. Is that social, emotional community bond and connection that happens within XPT. And, you know, I think if you've ever, you know, a piece of XPT is actually ice and heat. So we do ice baths and sauna sessions. And I think it's one of the favorite, one of my favorite things I do is so I lead, uh, this little mini like seminars out of my backyard and, you know, get people into ice baths in my backyard. I always kind of wonder like, what are my neighbors thinking? <laughs> uh, there's somebody who lives right behind us who has like, you know, a big deck or whatever on their, on their house. And I'm like, Oh man, I look probably so weird. I'm leading like 10 people through breath class. Like in my backyard, I have a chicken coop and like, <laughs> just like what's happening. And so we're doing breath work and then we get into the ice and then they get into the sauna and I just love seeing people, you know, there's this reality of like an emotional kind of 
stripping down and then, you know, we're in our swimsuits and, you know, you're just sitting there across from somebody in a sauna and you just don't get that kind of experience normally, you know? And I think I would say like 99% of the people who leave one of my workshops leave feeling better, more connected, more engaged with themselves. And that's really what drives me to keep going with them, you know, is that really beautiful connection I see. And then there's like this, um, quick validation, which you don't oftentimes get in therapy, right? Like sometimes people are like, I guess I feel better today, you know? Um, but you can really see a change in someone um, it, within like one of those workshop settings. So yes, XPT is very community-based, very connection-based. And um, I think that's what makes it really special. First and foremost, I think you need to invite your neighbors next time to, <laughs> to yeah. the hot and cold exposure and just be like, I know you think I'm a crazy person, but come hang out in the wellness backyard in. and yeah. see what happens. <laughs> the wellness backyard. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't want to just gloss over the hot and cold exposure because we're seeing it everywhere, right? We were talking oh, right yeah. before the show that like, did you even ice bath if you didn't post it on Instagram? Like, don't know. Did you really get the benefit from that cold exposure if you weren't like on your story with it? So now that it's so trendy, which I think on one hand is great because it gains exposure. It, you know, kind of normalizes these practices a little bit more. And it's not just for like the woo-woo hippies or like the extreme athletes, right? More people are getting involved. But what is actually happening? Um, I know you talked about this actual physical and it sounds like emotional transformation that goes on, but what's happening in the body and why is that such a big pillar of what you do? Yeah, so the power of ice and heat, in my opinion, right? And this is all just my opinion. And this is based off of the training that I've done with XBT, the... Uh, you know, all the, the different studies we've had to read and, you know, being a part of like the, the coaching community within our, um, within XBT. And so for me, I like to, when I talk about it, uh, especially when I do my you know, seminars, um, or really just like little workshops, right. They, um, we talk about the physical and the mental aspects of getting into an ice bath and, you know, getting into the sauna. So with an ice bath, right, the physical benefit is that we are restricting blood flow, kind of reducing inflammation very um, acutely, right, very intensely. There's this full body cold water immersion response. You know, that's why we want to try to get full body into the water, you know, when we do cold water immersion, because there needs to be that full response to the system. So we notice that, right? That restriction in blood flow. And then you get into the heat and everything kind of flows out, which is really powerful. Now there have been studies that have shared about like the immunological effects of getting into an ice bath, you know, the increase in what can what we can see as our um, of brown fat in our systems, right? And brown fat is a healthier fat, right? It's what we see with people who live in colder climates. And oftentimes to build that up, you kind of have to do a lot of cold exposure, <laughs> you know? And so that's something that we've seen. And then we also know because it does reduce inflammation, we, we try to recommend that people get into the ice really kind of um, at least right four hours after a workout, because 
it can have some effects on your lifting, right? Like if you've lifted and done like a really hard workout, then you're reducing inflammation so much that you're reducing the inflammation that you need in order to adapt and grow um, if you've you know, done that for weightlifting. So that's an aspect, right, of the, of the ice, you know, that's very physical. And, you know, I, I talk a lot about like the blood flow and what happens and that, you know, and our systems responding. And what I find to be really powerful are the mental aspects of getting into something that is uncomfortable, <laughs> that you have to regulate yourself through, whether you're co-regulating off of a coach or self-regulating yourself, right, when you get into the ice. And, you know, that to me is extremely powerful because you're doing something that you're choosing to do that is uncomfortable and painful. Because, <laughs> you know, there are some people who get in and they're just like, eh, okay, cool. I'm in nice now, you know, and I'm just like, how do you, <laughs> you know, those people I don't quite get, I'm kind of like, get out. Uh, not really. I love them. They're all accepted and wonderful. But the reality is, is that we have this big response in our systems, right? That's related to our fight or flight response, usually when we get into the ice and regulating ourselves through that can give us powerful tools for regulating outside of the ice you know, outside of those, you know, just different stressful situations in our lives, because stress is stress, you know, the body doesn't know if you're in a nice bath, or if you're, you know, really, really stressed about like email or something like that, right? You have to be able to regulate our stress. And, you know, that's something that I think is um, really powerful about putting ourselves in situations where we feel that discomfort. That is such a first of all, such a powerful statement that carrying over, you know, being able to utilize this breath work, being able to like control your stress response in a situation where like you've actively chosen to put yourself in cold water. It is, you know, it's going to be uncomfortable, but the carryover that it has and being able to tap into that with people in their daily lives is so, so powerful. And I know that that was something that the first time I ever um, experienced cold exposure, I was not expecting it to be that cold. And I just remember getting into the, we did it in our bathtub in our apartment. And I remember getting into the bathtub and legitimately having almost a panic attack. And I could think back to several times in my life as I was in that bath, I was like literally picturing other times that I've had panic attacks and had to take myself out of it just by breathing. And I think it's such a cool carryover that we don't, sometimes we don't get that in other areas of our lives. Like sometimes we don't see the direct carryover from fitness into life. Like we don't kind of, sometimes it doesn't transfer. Uh, but I'm curious to know for you, in your experience or your personal journey with ice and heat, like what have you benefited most from, do you think? Hmm, I really like this question. So I'm gonna think about it for a second. I feel like for me, engaging in the ice baths, right, has made me into a more mentally resilient person because I have recognized like I'm choosing this uncomfortable spot 
And to me, resiliency also means mental flexibility. So that means I give myself space to, all right, I'm going to do it for a minute today. Oh, I'm going to do it for five minutes today. I'm going to do it for three minutes today. And giving myself like that freedom and that flexibility while also recognizing the power of putting, of choosing some, choosing some discomfort. And, you know, there's this thing I say to myself almost every time I've gotten into an ice bath is I've been colder. And it's the thought that I, I know it's the thought that I like have when I'm in situations where I feel really uncomfortable, whether I'm in like a really like long hike or if I'm in like a really hard workout, I kind of just say to myself like, yep, I've been colder, right? Like you can do this, you know, you're going to be okay. And I think that's probably been one of the most powerful things for me because when you choose to do something uncomfortable, right? And you do that thing, you are in a deeper level of integrity with yourself. I think where you've been able to step into something challenging. And to me, it also gives me the space to be in choice, right? I think we oftentimes think I have to do that challenging thing to be this type of person, you know, to like post it on social media or to, um, achieve something. And I really want to help people figure out like, what is a helpful limit for you? What is a powerful, um, step that you can take for your health? And sometimes that means getting in the ice bath. And sometimes that means actually just staying in for a minute and then being willing to have the compassion to say, you know what, my nervous system's pretty tapped out. I'm going to step out. And I think that's the power of, in my opinion, of the next level of this work is being aware enough to know what your body needs. I couldn't agree more because I know how easy it, anytime I've done cold exposure or um, I did like a holotropic breathwork class and you get to these different states of consciousness, honestly. And it was so strange because it's not like, I'm about to get woo. It's not like, all right, I took these psychedelics and now I'm on this journey. Like what's going to happen? It's like, I was in complete control the entire time. I could press mm -hmm. the brakes. I could press the gas. And mm -hmm. that mental step of like, I could get rid of this like discomfort right now if I just got out of the bath or if I brought my breathing back to like a, a quote unquote normal cadence, mm -hmm. right? And I think that that mental step that we all have to go over is so, so important in these practices. Um, how have you merged? Because I know we talked about yoga being so um, kind of this bridge between mental and physical health. Um, how have you merged breath work with the cold exposure? And is there anything for people that are listening that are like, okay, I want to try this. Like, I want to get uncomfortable. What are some, some breathing tips that you might give the person in that experience? Right. So I always cover this, but so we do about 10 to 20 minutes of breath work before we get into the ice and heat when I do, when I do workshops. And what we do is sometimes practice, well, most oftentimes practice the breathing patterns that I recommend to people. Uh, you know, before we are in the stressful stimulus of being in the ice. And what I uh, start clients with is when you get into the ice, your system is most often going to have a reaction. It's going to have a big response. And so what I 
remind clients of is like meet your nervous system where it's at. So that means your breath is probably going to be faster paced and then we're going to slow it down as your body regulates in the water. I recommend doing, um, uh, doing that ice bath actually with somebody who is safe and who can be kind of a, a regulating space, be a re regulating person for you. So there's, you know, there's a reason why I sit next to my clients while they're in the ice. I've held people's hands. I've like, you know, <laughs> I've done it all right. Like just even a kind of a grounding touch on the shoulder can be really supportive if you have somebody there and that's co-regulation, right? That you're co-regulating off of somebody else's grounding energy. So you meet your nervous system where it's at. Typically that means sharp inhale in through the nose, big exhale out through the mouth. So, and typically that can last for 15 to 60 seconds with what I've seen with clients and, you know, people who are in the, in that, in the ice bath and oftentimes, so, and the ice baths I do are typically 30 to 40 degrees. So it's quite a shock to the system. And, um, we have a lot of ice and then we go for about three to five minutes in the ice. And, you know, within, I would say like, if you can make it in that first minute, typically you're fine lasting for the three to five. And um, what we find is that after that first minute, breath gets more regulated, breathing slows down, and then you can kind of start to play with your breath a little bit. I like to do sometimes like a five second inhale, 10 second exhale. So it's 15 seconds. You only have to do four per minute, which is kind of nice. And then you're kind of like, oh, cool, I'm done. Uh, but I also recommend, um, and really that just means you're doubling the length of your exhale to your inhale. So sharp inhales, sharp exhales. Once you start to get regulated, nasal breathing only move into like a cadence of like a two second in, four second out or four seconds in, eight seconds out, five seconds in, 10 seconds out, whatever your um, system can manage. And then if you, if you wanna play around with it, you can hum or hiss on your exhales, which can also be regulating to your system as well. Um, and then I always like to have like a song playing or some music, right? Like that always like feels good as well. Um, sometimes like I'll even just play a song and I'll just be like, okay, cool, I'll get out whenever this song is over. Um, as long as it's not you know, like a seven minute, you know, like Odessa song or something like that, right? Um, so be careful of your song choice. And um, <laughs> yeah, I think those are probably like maybe my top kind of tips if you're going to do it on your own. I love that you brought up nasal breathing. Um, I saw your, you actually I think posted yesterday, like nasal strips, taped mouth. Um, can you talk more <laughs> about... Know. <laughs> so I weird you guys people listening are like who is this girl oh no I just called you out so tough but I think I can say that because I know Ariel and I have both done this too so I don't feel we're all in this together right I we're was just laughing I was just laughing because we literally put out we have another podcast as well and we put out a podcast about nasal breathing while you're sleeping and like taping your mouth and people were like what is this and I was like trust me you have to try it so you're, you're in the right company to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I put my, I set myself up for it by putting it on social media, right? Obviously I'm not like, I don't have like a ton of followers, but I know it's, it's out there it's in the world. So I, um, I care a lot about breath work because I need it. Okay. I grew up anxious, grew up having like an activated nervous system. I grew up, um, 
you know, coincidentally with a deviated septum, uh, asthma and allergies. And so I have basically been <laughs> telling my body that it should be in a stressed and activated space uh, until, you know, like essentially I, I got connected to XPT and learned so much more about the nervous system. So a piece of kind of teaching our bodies how to nasal breathe more often can be in the practice of um, in the, at night, right? Like taping your mouth and also putting on a nasal strip for me because I have that deviated septum. So it's really difficult for me to actually breathe in and out through my nose. I've gotten much better because I've like kind of worked through that airway enough. Like I've created some soft tissue change. And the reality is, is I still have a pretty severely deviated septum. And, um, yeah, for me, like I kind of go on and off, like with the mouth taping, I don't do it all the time. I've stepped back into a little bit more just because I've noticed that um, whether it's maybe the season change, I have really bad allergies, especially right now. You're probably kind of hearing my voice sounds a little nasally and I might blow my nose in this time together. And, um, you know, so I wanted to kind of play around with it a little bit more. Um, so that's why I posted, I posted about it, you know, this week talked about nasal breathing. And then I think it's important to kind of practice what you preach, right. And get into the reality of, yeah, I need this work too. I'm not like some perfect person on a pedestal who has it all figured out. Um, because I think it's all about experimentation and practice and like getting into this space where you get connected to what is working for you and what's not working for you. So yeah, I'm back to doing some mouth taping. I did it last night and I woke up this morning and I felt like I was definitely less groggy. My sleep, so I track my sleep using Whoop, uh, like Whoop strap and um, not sponsored. Uh, <laughs> just, just joking. But anyway, so I do that and my sleep score was okay. Um, but I felt like my eyes just felt more awake when I woke up this morning. Um, usually I'm quite drowsy in the mornings. I'm not really a natural, natural, like morning person per se. So, um, that was great. And I'm just going to continue practicing with it. So there's one question that I have for you around taping your mouth. Are you using athletic tape? What kind of tape are you using? Because I've tried it and no tape sticks to my mouth. So I need some expert help here. <laughs> yes. So I use 3M micropore tape. It is definitely more sticky. Like this morning when I um, pulled it off, I was like, oh, I wonder what I need to do to make that a little less sticky. <laughs> Um, and I think uh, there's something that uh, I believe James Nestor talks about this in his book, Breath. And I think he maybe puts it at an angle. I need to look at the book again. It's at my office. I couldn't reference it yesterday. Um, I think he puts it at like an angle across your lips. Uh, but the great thing is you can find this 3M micropore tape on Amazon for like $1.50. I got like two roll, like it's two little thick rolls of it. and. Um, so there's a lot of, um, I, cause I, I, there are companies that have like mouth, like tape things. And, um, I've just found that I get like annoyed by all the waste. Um, there's a little bit less waste whenever you just have the tape roll itself and you don't have like all the strips and the plastic and then the plastic covering and all of that. Um, so that's why I wanted to switch to the tape and, um, yeah, sorry, I'm rambling, but. Yep, that's the tape I use. 
we're here for anyone that is like create less waste. So I'm here for that ramble. Um, can you talk a little bit more about stripping away the idea? Cause we've talked a lot about these different optimization things, right? Whether that's breathing or ice exposure, or any of these things, can you talk more about kind of stripping the achievement mindset away from this? Um, because I know for me, like, I want to be like, yeah, fuck yeah. I sat in the ice for three minutes. Achievement, gold star. Here we go. Validation. Um, but so much of your work has been around kind of stripping that away and not in a way that makes people feel like they're losing anything or being told that they're, that wasn't like a worthy feat. So how are you doing that? Mm. Yes. So this is going to be a fairly incomplete answer because it's something I feel like I'm still in the work with, right? I'm still in a lot of research with in, within myself and with my clients. And I think one of the big things that we do is connect to the why, you know? So why am I working this job, right? Why am I getting into an ice bath? You know, what is my deeper why? And, you know, I think that's a big thing that can be really supportive for people while also connecting to self-compassion and self-connection uh, at the same time. So if I am just constantly pushing myself, you know, always going towards this, like, I have to be this, I have to make this amount of money, I have to have this car, I have to have this kind of house, I have to have a bigger house, you know, I have to buy this or buy that. You know, if we can connect to the deeper why, then we can understand like, oh, is that actually coming out of a version of yourself that you're just trying to maybe um, replicate or create to, to maybe achieve attention, love, care, feel desired, feel wanted? How, and, and how can we kind of reverse that and like accept yourself for who you are, right? So bring in some self-compassion. So I think what, what makes, you know, some people uncomfortable and myself uncomfortable is the fact that you have to slow down and there may be a lessening in what you're able to achieve, right? Because you, there isn't this like, you know, whip being like driven behind you. You're actually turning around and kind of like, wait, why am I going in this direction? Why are you whipping me? Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> you know? And so we can kind of just slow down and check in with what feels good. And I think about this with, uh, I did a training the other week and the leader was talking about, you know, why would I, she's a therapist. Why would I congratulate my client if they hadn't done their homework? right? If they hadn't done their homework for the week that I had assigned to them. And the idea is that we congratulate them because they listened and didn't override the nervous system response that was saying, I can't do this. You know, because I say this a lot on social media, I don't believe in laziness. I really just believe in, you know, people are going to do kind of like what they want to do if they know kind of what their deeper desires and whys are. So that, yeah, this is my kind of incomplete response to this, but I think that there's so much work to be done here with, um, especially in a culture that really, um, you know, like oftentimes like 
uh, I don't know, like put so much, like put achievement on such a pedestal, right? Of like, I got my morning routine, I got all my boxes checked. I've been doing this in my planner. I've been doing this. I have my you know bullet journal. I have all these things, right? And it, to me, it can be a little bit precarious because it's like, are you just being propped up by all of these things and you don't actually know what you care about or want? And so I'm going a little bit into preacher mode here. <laughs> and, you know, so I want people to just get really connected to like what they actually desire and want, which feels a lot more scary to connect with that than to actually, you know, then they're like when they're just living in this kind of like haze of achievement. Yeah. I know for me, the thought of anytime I feel anxiousness in my body, my first immediate reaction is like, I'm going to go work out. I'm going to go move this energy. I'm going to, and it was actually a literal and physical, I'm going to run away from this discomfort in my body. And so the first time someone was like, well, like what happens if you just sit with it? I was like, no, mm, that's dark and scary. And no, yeah. are you kidding me? And now, you know, here I would be being a therapist and ask my clients to do the exact same thing. But how do you start to especially like you said, in a culture that productivity, achievement, all of these things are so placed on a pedestal. It can feel, self-care can feel selfish. You know, compassion can feel weak. These different things, how do you start to change that narrative for your clients and how do you present it to them? A big question I always connect with and ask my clients is, well, how's it working for you? How is it for you right now as you are behaving in the state that you're behaving in, really living the life that you're living? Most often (laughs) they laugh a little bit and they're like, well, I am here to see you. (laughs) So oftentimes there is something that's not quite working. So we get to get curious, you know, oftentimes in that space, I'm just like, what if things could be a little different for you? Like, what if you could slow down and actually connect with what um, you really love, you know? And so this is really powerful for me because I so often myself, you know, I was and still struggle, right, with being achievement focused, you know, like I'm not perfect. I'm not healed, right? Like I'm not like this Zen inspiration. I myself finding my schedule, find my schedule booked back to back to back. But what I know is when I work less, I'm so much happier. (laughs) So this, there's this really helpful realization when we be, when we get aware of the way that we feel right now, you know, so it always starts with that like idea of awareness and sometimes coupled with the question of like, how are things working for you? And I think just that alone can be helpful. And especially if clients are brave enough to ask that question and really connect with like, what would it be like for me to change my patterns? This is such an amazing carryover into nutrition because so much of the choices that we make are based off of, you know, well, I feel like I should be doing this. And it just comes down to, and I love that you said, you know, connecting with your deeper why, because I think that is probably one of the hardest parts of behavior change. And I would love to know your thoughts too. You know, like we 
see all of these external reasons for wanting to make a change, like maybe social media or really anything outside, like Sally, your neighbor is doing something and you feel like, oh, well, maybe I should be doing that too. And I'm curious to know how you help your clients and maybe even how you navigate this yourself with not letting all of the external noise dictate your internal why or have an influence on it. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that comes back to self-knowledge and just kind of knowing ourselves a little bit, you know, on a deeper level, you know, and I think like with your example of nutrition, you know, knowing your physiology, knowing what your body needs to fuel like what tweaks you can make, you know, what you can add. I always love thinking about that with, especially with nutrition, right? Like what can we add to make our bodies like feel more powerful and feel more healthy? And, you know, I think like there's just the reality that there isn't one diet or way of eating that works for everybody. Like we, we've seen this, right? There is typically like some biodiversity where there's different things that work for different people and different bodies and different seasons of life, right? (laughs) Even different times, you know, like you may have a higher sensitivity to, you know, one food than another time. And I think getting to know your system and being mentally flexible with it is really powerful um, in such a healthy practice. You know, I think so much of the work that I've been doing lately with clients has been around mental flexibility and building, you know, that awareness of like yourself and what you need. And even like going back to ice baths, right? Like after the pandemic, kind of the main aspect of it ended, you know, getting people back into the ice, people were so much more sensitive to the stressor because of the, you know, crazy amount of, you know, uh, stress that we have all been through, right? 2020, 2021, you know, it's like continuing. And, you know, I think like, it's really interesting to see, okay, how can we just be flexible with ourselves and compassionate that we are humans? <laughs> You're not a robot. You're not going to be able to like do everything perfectly every time. And that's like the most interesting thing about you. You know, like, that's something that I talk about on social media too, is that your humanity is way more interesting than your perfection ever could be. You know, and so getting connected to that and getting, you know, um, uh, accepting of that is so powerful for your mental health. Mental flexibility is so huge because coming from like recovering type A, it, there's nothing more empowering than being like, oh, it doesn't have to look this one way. And things are still going, I'm still going to be quote unquote successful. I'm still going to be liked. I'm still going to be appreciated and loved and all of these things. For exactly what you said, the fact that your humanity is so much more interesting than like a cardboard cutout of like (laughs) what we think perfection might look like. Um, So I have loved this so much. I feel like I'm taking my own mental notes. I'm ready to go jump into an ice bath and then flaunt my flaws all over the place. Um, Especially on social media, right? Especially on social media. (laughs) Come look at my perfect life and the zit on my forehead. Um, so Amy, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. If people want to get involved with you and XPT and follow your journey and everything that's going on, where can they get a hold of you? 
Absolutely. So I love um, you. I use you know social media as a tool. So I am on there as true core health. True is in true or false. Core is in your core on your body, and health is in healthy. All spelled correctly. <laughs> and uh, you can find XBT xbtlife.com, and they also have, and they're on Instagram, obviously. They also we have an um, the app which allows you to really access a lot of breathwork recordings, which is great. And um, I'm working on creating actually an online collective that allows people to have access to mental health wellness tools to help them feel more like they're in the driver's seat of their own development. And so that's kind of, that's something that's coming this year. And so, um, yeah, feel free to stay in touch through social media, newsletter, all the links are on social media. Again, it's just Amy and it's at True Core Health. Amy, thank you so much. We'll be sure to link all of that. And I can't wait for that uh, collective to come out. I'm psyched. Yeah, thanks. I'll keep you updated on it. Oh, 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 oh,